With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Flaschenberg. I am your host for Yoga Birth Babies, and today we're bringing back one of my favorite, but also a very important podcast, Trauma-Informed Prenatal Yoga. I have Tara Tanini here. She is a yoga and meditation teacher, a birth doula, a master Reiki healer, and she's currently completing her master's in Chinese medicine. Tara approaches each healing modality through trauma-informed lens. And also full disclosure, Tara did the prenatal yoga teacher training and is a very beloved member of the PYC teaching community. So it's also quite a joy to speak with her. But one of the reasons I'm bringing this back uh, right now at this time is because Tara is leading a workshop at Prenatal Yoga Center on July 20th. So if you're in the New York area, if you're a birth worker, if you're a student that's interested in this topic, if you're a yoga teacher and either a prenatal teacher or a yoga teacher that works with a pregnant student, this information is really important. When I first started to research to prepare for my interview with Tara, some of the statistics I came across were staggering. According to CNN, one in three women will experience violence in a relationship during their lifetime. From the Sindra Institute, approximately 70% of adults in the United States have experienced a traumatic event at least once in their lives, and roughly 20% of these people will develop post-traumatic stress disorder. And every 92 seconds, an American is sexually assaulted. With these staggering numbers, it is vitally important that yoga teachers who are put in a position of authority, in a sense, from leading a class and also and often touching students. And we need as yoga teachers to know what's appropriate and what's and what's not appropriate, how to get into someone's space without interfering in their well-being and how to be sensitive to those that have had trauma. So that's why it's so very important to look at trauma-informed prenatal yoga. And during pregnancy, the body is so much more susceptible to energy and also vulnerable at times. So that's why I'm re-releasing this podcast. And that's why I'm excited to have Tara back for a second time leading her trauma-informed prenatal yoga workshop. So if you're in the area on July 20th, please check it out. It's really a joy. Tara is truly a pleasure. She's a very special person. All right. I've rambled long enough. We're going to take a quick break. and we come back, we're going to talk with Tara. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
Hi everyone, I'm Deb Flaschenberg. I'm your host for Yoga Birth Babies. And today I'm talking to Tara Tonini. She is going to talk about trauma-informed prenatal yoga. Let me tell you a little bit about Tara. First of all, I will be fully open and say Tara did our teacher training. She's worked in the marketing at the studio. She's one of our teachers and she's amazing. So it was totally delightful and exciting to have a chance to speak with Tara, but she's so much more. So she is a yoga and meditation teacher, a birth doula, a master Reiki healer, and she's currently completing her master's in Chinese medicine. She's a busy lady. (laughs) She also leads teacher training for at exhale to inhale for trauma-informed yoga. She's truly fantastic. So it's really a pleasure to speak with her, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. But before we do, I want just to take a moment and thank everyone that has taken a moment to jump into iTunes or Stitcher and leave a rating and review. So it was suggested to me to go on and just check it out and see what's been going on and, and even read some of the reviews. And I'm just so excited to see some of them and see so many um, thoughtful messages that you left. So I thought I'd read some. So I read one last week. I'm going to read another one. This is from Ashley J. Habib. I hope I pronounced that right. Um, All right. So let me tell you what she said. It was a five-star review. So thank you. As a mother, prenatal yoga instructor, and doula, this is one of my favorite podcasts and general resources for new ideas, information, and inspiration. Thanks, Deb. So let me say thank you, Ashley. It really means a lot that you took a moment to jump on and do that. So if the podcast has meant anything to you, if you felt like you got some information and it's empowered you or, or whatever it was that touched you, please take a moment and jump onto iTunes and Stitcher and leave a rating and review. It just helps other people find us. And as I've also been saying for the last few podcasts, we opened up a donation button on our website, prenatalyogacenter.com. And if it's at all possible, if you have the means, we would love a little donation to help keep the whole podcast going. All right, enough of me talking about that. Let's get into our podcast with Tara. Enjoy. Hi, Tara. I am so excited to speak with you today. So I think it's going to be a great conversation. I think trauma-informed prenatal yoga and just trauma-informed yoga is so relevant right now. So I'm, I'm just so excited. How are you today? I'm well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So just a little info for our listeners. Um, Tara is actually, she was one of our teachers for many years, which has been fantastic for the studio. And she's not doing that quite as much anymore. Um, I get, I told you guys a little bit more about her and, and the in her intro, but it's super exciting to have her on because she's part of our community. And I think it's so important to really raise our community up and support one another. So Tara, as I was researching you, I feel like there was a whole world of you that I didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) So especially some of your pictures, they're gorgeous. So will you tell the community a little bit about yourself and what eventually led you to this path of trauma-informed yoga? Sure. Um, so let's see. I'm originally from California. I grew up in a very uh, small rural community in Northern California. Um, and my first degree was in fashion. So I um, quickly moved to Los Angeles as a young person and got a fashion degree and um, left the fashion industry to um, move into yoga and wellness. Um, and Along the road, uh, lots of things have happened. So came across the prenatal yoga center and I've been teaching there for, I think like 
four years now, something crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, became a birth doula, and I was lucky for you, Deb, to be my mentor during that process. Um, and now I'm in school for Chinese medicine, working on a doctorate degree. That's amazing. And don't forget, I'll always be your pincushion if you need someone to practice on. <laughs> so <laughs> what, what brought you to the trauma-informed yoga? What kind of grabbed your attention about that? So during my 20s, I was in um, a very abusive relationship. And coming out of that relationship, um, a lot of people were saying, like, you should try yoga, you should try yoga. And I wanted to do anything that would bring me a sense of peace. So I started um, taking yoga, and I absolutely hated it. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I still kind of don't like it, but I find it incredibly useful. Um, Because for me, yoga is opportunity to feel. And um, being in my body isn't always the most comfortable thing. Um, So I've learned through the yoga practice um, how to use my body as a tool to live a really meaningful life life. Um, so I'm constantly struggling with that relationship and how my body moves through time and space and connects to the world. Um, I love that you just said as a yoga teacher, you don't really love doing yoga. I, yeah, I think, (laughs) no, I think that's really honest. I have to admit like there are certain practices I don't love to do either, but you know, I kind of thought I was alone in that. So yay. Okay. Other yoga teachers out there, other practitioners, (laughs) the yoga teachers don't love it all the time. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a daily yoga meditation practice. Um, it looks quite different every day. And the reason why I stay really committed to the practice is because it's incredibly useful. Um, it helps keep me in the present moment and constantly learning stuff about myself and um, how I am in relationship to others. That's that's fantastic. Because I mean, I, in my opinion, that's I think that's really the essence of what yoga should be. I shouldn't say should, can offer. Um, I think sometimes we get caught up in the shape and what we can do and how impressive the shape of the asana can be and forget that it's really about being in our body, feeling the shape and being in it. So I love that you were so eloquent in saying that. Thank you. Thank you. So how would you describe trauma-informed yoga to someone who's never heard of this approach to the practice? Mm, Great question. Um, I, I think of trauma informed yoga as just people informed yoga. So, um, and people hear me joking a lot, like we don't know what we don't know about one another. And, um, you know, regardless of a traumatic event, trauma can really stay, um, in the body, not only in the mind, but the body as well. Um, and a lot of people after different types of traumas can feel really dysregulated and sometimes even unsafe. Um, what we know in neuroscience, you know, the field of neuroscience is developing and we're learning so much more about the nervous system and the brain. Um, but what we know right now is that we're hardwired as human species for survival. So our body and our mind, um, will do anything it can to keep us alive and safe. Um, and oftentimes during really challenging experiences in life that will lead someone to compartmentalize, um, the challenges, um, that they faced. And so oftentimes we kind of have this filing cabinet in the mind, um, where we pack uncomfortable things away. Um, and occasionally those will manifest in symptoms of trauma, um, as well as, um, kind of pop up later in life if they're not uh, processed. 
Um, so in trauma-informed yoga, what we're doing is practicing interoception. Um, so proprioception is where our body is in time and space. Like right now, my body is sitting in a chair at my desk in my kitchen. Um, and interoception is an, uh, kind of an investigation of the internal condition, um, what I'm experiencing um, in my physical container. And that's really important, not only for trauma recovery, but just for any human in a physical body. Um, because the more that we know about what we're feeling, um, the, the more we have the opportunity to make better choices for ourselves and the world that we live in. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hmm, that that makes a lot of sense. And as you were talking about that, um, I don't know if you ever studied the koshas, and I don't know too too much about it. But I remember studying like the anamaya kosha, the physical body, the pranamaya kosha, the breath body, then the mayamaya kosha, more the deep internal. So it kind of sounds like mm-hmm. you just keep going a little deeper and a little deeper and a little deeper to see what's really presenting itself. Is that am I interpreting that correctly? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what's really beautiful to me about the yoga practice is, you know, these recorded texts are over 5,000 years old and um, we're now being able to prove in science what the yogis have been saying for so long. (laughs) I like that too. (laughs) (laughs) There's some intelligence in the past. So how does yoga help in the healing of trauma? So, you know, we're looking at these deeper feelings. How is the practice then helping us with that. And could they sometimes, have you ever encountered in your teaching of it and your training of it, emotions that were untapped that maybe you felt unprepared to deal with from students or trainees? Um, I mean, I think I'm always in a learning process. Um, and I think that it's important for yoga teachers to stay within their scope of practice. Um, you know, like I'm not a licensed clinician or mental health care provider. So as a yoga teacher, I stay really anchored and rooted in what I'm offering and refer out to the things that I don't offer with on, uh, beyond my capacity. Um, and that's one thing that I really resonated with me about being a birth doula, right? Like, as a birth doula, we stay in our lane and we mm-hmm. refer out and offer resources um, for the things that we're not able to provide. Um, and so in terms of yoga and healing trauma, um, we know that trauma can happen in the mind as well as the physical body. And there's a lot of amazing new scientific research that's um, speaking more to epigenetics and generational trauma and how that's um, passed down at a cellular level. Um, I think one of the the biggest factors to how yoga is healing for trauma really boils down to um, Patanjali Sutra. So Yoga Sutra 1.2 um, is yoga's Chitta Vritti Narodaha. Mm-hmm. Um, and in English translation, it's, it's translated in many ways, but my favorite is yoga is a cessation and the fluctuations of the mind. 
So if we know that trauma overwhelms one's capacity to cope, it'll often leave them very dysregulated. And so yoga gives us tools for self-regulation and an opportunity to access the present moment so that the mind isn't fluctuating. Um, and I think that's really what why yoga is so helpful in trauma recovery. Yeah, it really hones the mind. I like that. So let's get a little bit more um, specific to the pregnant person. How Mm -hmm. does trauma affect the pregnant person and from what you've worked with and what you've seen? Mm, Yeah. Um, Would it be okay if I shared a quote? Yes, yes, yes. Share whatever. Quotes, stories, songs, pull out a dance, whatever you got to (laughs) do. So um, this is from um, Stephen Cope, and he wrote this um, in a book. Um, on trauma and yoga. And um, he says, human beings are tender creatures. We are born with our hearts open. And sometimes our open hearts encounter experiences that shatter us. Sometimes we encounter experiences that so violate our sense of safety, order, predictability, and right that we feel utterly overwhelmed, unable to integrate, and simply unable to go on as before, unable to bear reality. We have come to call these shattering experiences trauma. None of us is immune to them. So for me, that just means that we're all in this together. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of, I I personally believe everyone has experienced trauma. Um, And it's not like a gold badge winning game, like my trauma's worse than yours. Mm -hmm. Or... and so if we know that every person going through the, the scope of their life will experience something that takes them out of the present moment, overwhelms their capacity to cope, um, then that can manifest in a variety of ways. Um, so how that relates to the pregnant body is um, a person who is pregnant more than likely has experienced trauma, whether they identify with that or not. Um, in my personal practice, I've, I've, as a doula and a, a trauma-informed teacher, I've found it really interesting, um, particularly with women who have experienced um, physical or sexual trauma, um, that with the growth and the hormonal shifts of the body um, and, and growing a baby inside can um, bring up um, some challenging emotions and sensations, um, even body memories. Um, for people that haven't experienced that type of trauma, we know that being a pregnant person, um, especially like we live in New York City, um, I find that a lot of people are talking at pregnant people mm-hmm. and often giving unsolicited advice. So that can bring up a lot of things. And bodily comments. Well. There's a lot of bodily mm-hmm. comments. So if someone's ever had either emotional or physical body trauma and then having their body so exposed and changing and the constant comments. I mean, I don't, I think part of it is most people don't really know what a full term belly looks like and the comments about, Oh, you're so big. And that can be really emotionally harming for many. And especially if there is on the surface, some trauma. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, in the medical model at large, um, you know, our doctors and nurses are incredibly overworked and spread thin. And I think that it's created an environment where there's not much informed touch. Um, so I think a lot of pregnant people feel as if they're being poked or prodded or um, their bodies are being used or manipulated um, for procedures or blood work or um, things that you know, pregnant people experience a lot of doctor's visits that the average person wouldn't experience. Um, so that can also bring up a lot. And it's also right? very, and as you've seen as a doula, it's also such a vulnerable, open experience. You know, like there's nudity that, it, not even permission to see the nudity in a sense. Like how many times have you seen people just kind of come in and out of the room and the laboring person is in that flimsy gown or even in the pushing stage and very exposed and it there's like there's no protection in a sense so I think that's Mm -hmm. really that can bring up trauma I'm guessing too yeah for sure and um I like that you bring up giving birth at large so I think that this is one of the reasons why I became a birth doula and why Um, I really invite pregnant people to explore the idea of having a doula is just this extra person to be in the room to really hold a safe container. Um, I've had the privilege of um, being able to inform a lot of care providers um, that my clients have trauma and would like to be asked before touched and, you know, different things to um, cultivate a sense of safety and labor and delivery. Do you know, and I've, I've worked with a few clients as a doula where they had informed me of past sexual trauma. And I remember this one in particular, I won't give details or too much details or definitely not name. Um, but she was really open with her doctor and I will say the doctor, Dr. Rodkey's amazing. Have you worked with her before? No, I don't think so. She's fantastic. So respectful. So about inclusion and keeping privacy. And because it was a a conversation we'd all had. We knew that for this particular client, she would dilate. Well, this was her second baby I worked with, but with a pushing stage because of all the sensation, especially in the vagina was very overwhelming. So Mm -hmm. the care provider having that information was just so gentle and really kept unnecessary people out. So I would guess and tell me if I'm wrong about this, that if someone has had that trauma, trying to find a care provider that is going to create safety for them. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And, and I feel like, you know, we should be treating everyone with that level of safety, yes, yes. um, because there are so many reasons why people wouldn't disclose that information. Um, and you know, there are coping mechanisms in the mind as well as the body that would hold those memories at bay. So, um, you know, there's a lot of people who have come to me, um, who say, you know, I I don't know that there was a trauma, but I really feel unsafe in these types of situations. And does that mean that something happened to me? And that doesn't always have to be the question. The, Mm -hmm. the, The question of the matter is those situations make you feel really uncomfortable and you have the right to feel safe and in not only your, your birthing environment, but, um, in all of your exams and, um, and the way that you um, experience the world, you have the right to feel safe in that. So now I'm kind of jumping around a bit, but if someone is feeling unsafe or know they had trauma, maybe don't know they had trauma, how would you suggest they talk to their care provider about it? Or do you have um, any suggestions, I guess I should say? 
Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, I think that there's a variety of ways to go about it. Um, I think, um, you know, we talk a lot about this at the prenatal yoga center is that the care provider is also is working for us. So we Mm -hmm. get to interview them just as much as they interview us. Um, so I think just, um, disclosing information that feels useful, um, and, and advocating for what you need to feel safe. And if you're not sure what you feel safe, possibly exploring that with your care provider or, um, you know, a mental health professional or a birth doula. Um, and I, one of the things that I love about PYC is that super simple birth plan. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. The four <laughs> squares. Yeah. yeah. The four squares. So it doesn't have to be something, um, out, an outrageous list of things that one needs. Um, I think that it really boils down to, um, feeling safe and listened to. I think that's good for everyone <laughs> in general. We should all feel safe and listen to, and I don't think we do. So can yeah. you describe any trauma symptoms that an untrained eye may observe? Hmm. So um, often trauma symptoms will manifest in um, like intrusions, um, thoughts that aren't welcome in the mind. Um, or avoidance. Um, we see this um, on the yoga mat as well. People that um, are bypassing a shape or, um, you know, when something difficult comes around, they pop into the restroom. <laughs> Those oh, yeah. kinds of things. <laughs> We've seen that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when our mock contraction set yeah. comes around. <laughs> How many times um, have you seen that in, in baby mirror postnatal? They're like, oh, the baby yeah. needs to. I'm like, the baby's sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if a um, teacher, oh, I'm sorry. Were there more? No. Uh, yeah, but go ahead. Okay, no, 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 no. Keep going. Keep going. Um, just any type of sudden change in thought or mood. Um, and, and that could be related to the yoga practice as well. Um, I think that that's why the yoga asana, the, the shapes that we take are so, um, important in providing us information about ourselves is because we put ourselves into this awkward shape and we have an opportunity to notice where the mind goes. Mm. Um, and then, um, you know, trust can be a really, um, a really good, uh, key or indicator, um, of a trauma symptom, you know, um, is, is the student having a hard time trusting the environment or the teacher or the shape? Um, and this isn't to, you know, diagnose or, or prescribe anything for a student, but just to offer a new lens of compassion when someone's having discomfort in the yoga practice. There's something actually I learned from you, Um, and I, I still use it to this day is, you know, in the beginning, we always start with some sort of restorative and kind of get out of the New York city lifestyle and get into your body and connect to breath and baby. And I've always Mm -hmm. said for many years, you know, close your eyes. And now in the last couple of years, since working more with you and hearing what you do, I now have said, if it feels safe for you to close your eyes and just that simple change of context, I think for many actually, maybe they think, oh, maybe I'm not safe or I am, or they think, okay, this is a safe environment. And then they do. Cause I've seen a lot of eyes dart around. And in the past, I'm like, why aren't you closing your eyes? And now I realize maybe that's not what they can do. 
Yeah. Yeah. There's a a variety of reasons why people choose to keep their eyes opened or closed. Um, And generally it just has to deal with the dysregulation of the nervous system. So the eyes darting or jetting around um, has to do with the dysregulation. Um, And so I think the energy versus New York City and the prenatal yoga studio um, is that there is a different energy shift. And if someone is in this hyper arousal state and the hustle bustle of their life and you know, move into, um, the rest and digest state or a calmer environment, it can take a little while for the nervous system to settle in. Mm -hmm. Well, if a teacher notices some of these signs or symptoms you described, are there any go-to tools or modifications you would advise using? Um, I would say just orient your students to the present moment. Um, so it's really basic mindfulness tools. Um, it could be something like, um, take a look around the room, um, notice the environment, feel the texture of your yoga mat. Um, and depending on how comfortable the person is with that, it could get even, um, more into the interoception of, um, observing your breaths noticing where the mind is going, maybe connecting with your baby. Yeah. I think these are things that, and besides the connecting to your baby, but if they were even just regular open level yoga classes, they seem like these are tools that people should be considerate of too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's those really simple things that I think a lot of yoga teachers forget, you know, the, the beauty is in the simplicity of the practice Um, all the verifications and transitions and beautiful sequences, those are just the fluff. Yeah. Um, but, but the beauty of the practice comes from the intelligence of the simplicity. I like that because again, I think sometimes, especially with social media showing all the flexible bodies and the poses, um, (laughs) and you know, I, I think I, I had to find that in myself, the simplicity because you've seen me, I have a very flexible body and I could take the shape pretty easily. Um, and I think I got caught up in that in my younger years of practice. And then with maturity of not needing to go so far or show off in the pose, that's when I found my own ability to find simplicity. So I'm glad you brought that up because I think some of us fall, especially in New York, there's so many dancers that get, that get drawn into the, or or Pilates or whatever, um, Mm -hmm. where we look at the finished product, but we don't go a little deeper as to what is the pose supposed to be about. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And I think how that relates to pregnancy is, you know, every day the pregnant body is different. Yeah. Um, And that can be a great opportunity to go inside and connect when this interoception. And also to connect to the baby, because I feel like sometimes it's easy just to carry this child around in your body, but not actually connect in a sense, even like the smaller things, like I feel a hiccup, I feel a movement or just taking a pause and feeling the energy of the baby. So I think it's a great tool for our pregnant people. So how can trauma-informed prenatal yoga support the pregnant person during their pregnancy, birth, and early parenthood? Um, I think just yoga at large will really provide opportunities for people to identify what their self-regulation tools are. Um, Like, coming back to PYC, you know, we get people into uncomfortable, um, shapes like chair pose or, um, our screaming toe. At the wall. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and we give them opportunities to explore different types of, of, um, self-soothing techniques, whether it be touch or movement or sound or breath. 
Um, so all of those are opportunity to identify what's useful and also to practice, you know, each practice might be different. Um, if the body feels different, then the coping mechanism might be different. Yeah. I like that. I think coping mechanisms in general are something as a culture, we're not particularly strong with. Um, I think we go immediately to the numbing stage Mm -hmm. as opposed to the feel and process and try to find your way through. Yeah. And I think, yeah. What were you going to say? I was just going to say also um, that I think particularly a trauma-informed practice um, gives opportunities for people to know that they have options and practice um, making choices, which will relate largely into not only pregnancy, but definitely in birth Mm -hmm. and and parenthood. Um, So when you're teaching trauma-informed, especially when you're thinking prenatal, do you go deeper into the exploration of no feel your body. What does it want to do? Listen to your options as opposed to not necessarily always adhering to everything the teacher says, what would your approach for, for that be? Um, well there's choice making within a container. Um, my, yeah, so it's not like they're doing handstand <laughs> while you're teaching child's pose. Yeah, yeah, and if we know, like we know, particularly at PYC, a lot of our students are brand new to yoga. And yeah. I think that a lot of pregnant people find yoga for the first time because they've read an article or maybe their healthcare provider is telling them that yoga would be useful and safe. Um, so we don't want people to come into the practice and just say, do whatever you want with your body because that's not safe either. Right. Um, so offering choices within a container, um, and for a yoga teacher, what that might look like is, you know, getting someone into a shape like warrior two, um, offering them opportunity to experience the stillness or moving along with the breath. Um, so there are a lot of opportunities for people to experience choice making within the safety of a container. So I'm going to throw a big question at you because I've been grappling with this for a while. Mm-hmm. The statement of do what feels best for your body or do what your body wants to do or listen to your body. I love mm-hmm. that at the same time, I get a little crazy from that because is it too much of throw? So if someone, say someone shows up at the studio, they've never done yoga before. We want them to feel their body. But then we're giving them the permission to do whatever their body does, but maybe they don't know what their body should be doing or could be doing and then move into something unsafe. Does that make any sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I think that setting people up for success with the container. So, um, you know, really similar to what I was just saying is like offering an experience and choices to make within that experience. So, um, I've observed prenatal yoga classes or, you know, any, many types of classes where I've gone in and the teacher will say, close your eyes and move your body the way it wants to move. And I'm like, even as a a verse practitioner, I'm like, what? No, (laughs) like I just came off the streets of New York. Like I, my body doesn't know what it wants at this moment. Yeah. Um, and so that's why you're there in the class for a little bit of a path. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, an example that I think is a little bit more anchored and contained and useful would be something like, um, offering your students to fill their feet on the ground Mm -hmm. and find a gentle sway side to side. Mm-hmm. Um, and does the sway want to be big or is it more small or is it firm in place like a mountain or Tadasana? Um, so those are opportunities, you know, there's the safety of the standing shape. Um, there's a container that, you know, not 
people aren't doing like these weird wild shapes. <laughs> so we're standing on our mat. We're gently swaying, maybe a little bit more than gentle. Um, but I also have the opportunity to just stand here if it doesn't feel useful. Yeah. Um, I like that. Yeah. I like the container. And you know, mm-hmm. how many times have you been in open class as a pregnancy student? They're like, well, just do what feels good, but they may not know what feel, what's supposed to be. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I totally yeah. digress there. All right. So <laughs> I went on a tangent. All right. So as a yoga practitioner and a well-trained trauma-informed teacher, do you ever see teaching practices, I guess this is kind of what we were just saying, in a regular class you think may be harmful to someone who has suffered from trauma? And if so, what are some of the common practice you, practices you would advise rethinking? Um, I, w- I don't think anyone should ever tell someone how they should feel, regardless mm. if they've had trauma or not. Um, you know, yoga is about cultivating a relationship with oneself. And so I think that that's taking that opportunity and connection away if you're telling someone what they should feel. Like, what have you Um, heard that kind of ruffles your feathers? Like, you should feel safe, you should feel happy, you should feel... Yeah, exactly. Or, like, one that's coming to mind is, like, Anjane Asana or, um, like, heart opener. This should feel liberating. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say, like, because I'm like, do you guys, you should feel this in your psoas. Do you feel this in your psoas? So you're saying not necessarily like a muscle, but more of an emotion, yeah, both. Okay. Um, so, and you know, if we're talking about just a general yoga practice, um, you know, it could be an emotion or a physical experience too. So from a trauma informed perspective, we know that the, the mind and the body will do whatever it can to keep the person safe and alive. Okay. And so, uh, often a response, a trauma symptom is, um, the inability to feel. Um, so it's a sensation of numbing or disconnect from the physical container. Um, so you, as a, as a trauma-informed approach, you could say, you might feel this in your thigh. Interesting. Or, um, you know, if someone doesn't know where their psoas is, you could direct their hand to mm-hmm. the uh, hip and then draw it up and over to the lower back and say, like, you might feel sensation here. What does it feel like? Where do you feel more um, heat or more information than, nice. than not? I like this. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on touch? Um, I personally love touch. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, as true. A, as a provider, um, uh, there are different places for it. Um, I think that as a society, there is very little safe touch that's ever offered to people. So it can be incredibly connecting and healing to be touched in a safe and appropriate way. Um, I think that it's just as a yoga teacher, it's really important to um, articulate what is going to happen in your class so that you can set people up for success. Like at prenatal yoga center, we offer hands on touch. So I just make that clear. Um, and if someone's new to the class, they say, you know, I'll be offering hands on assistance. This isn't to, you know, manipulate your body or say that you're doing something wrong, but to offer you deeper access to the shape or, um, more connection to your body and your baby. Do you think it's important to offer not to have to get touched? Because I've been saying for a while, you know, if you don't want to be touched, we take that 
strong consideration, we will not touch you. You know, just let us know or let me know or just whisper it or something. Do you, do you think that's important to offer the opt out? Yeah. I really like to offer, offer the opt in. Um, oh. trauma can be very isolating. And so if someone for, you know, a variety of reasons doesn't want to be touched, they might not raise their hand because they're so used to having to opt out of things. Um, I like that so, the opt in. Uh huh. So I really love to opt in because then it makes it a little bit more, um, it, it just switches it up a little bit. It has a different feeling, a different tone. That's true. It's more positive. You know, yeah. it's, it's as opposed to you know, like you're opting in. I'm like, yes, that could be safe because you're offering it in a safe way. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a nice way of thinking of it. Thanks, Tara. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have mm-hmm. any final tips or advice for the prenatal yoga teacher when working with this population? Um, I think just to understand that trauma can happen to anyone. Um, and, you know, trauma symptoms might present whether a person identifies that they've had trauma or not. Um, and as yoga teachers, it's not our job to prescribe or analyze or project or assume. Um, so that gives us an opportunity to really teach with kindness and being open to feedback and, and really staying within the scope of practice. Um, it's a beautiful and challenging thing as a yoga teacher, we kind of get clumped into all of these roles and titles. Um, you know, like, as a yoga teacher, people have come up and like wanted me to identify if they had an ACL tear or if they're depressed. And I'm just like, um, thank you for sharing, but I can't, I can't give you that information. Um, so I think that that's really important, um, is not, not to get overwhelmed by, um, what people are expecting of us and to be really rooted in, um, the simplicity and the importance, um, of the yoga practice and, you know, refer out and offer people lots of options. If you don't know what you, what's being asked of you, um, especially for me as a prenatal yoga teacher, there were loads of times where I didn't have the answer or someone had a diagnosis of something that I'd never heard of before. So mm-hmm. I was really clear and like, I, I don't know anything about that, but I'm going to do some homework or I'll ask my mentor, or, um, you know, I'll talk, talk with Deb. Um, I think that that's something that's really lacking in the yoga teacher community is access to mentorship. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can be really helpful to have a mentor or a community of other yoga teachers that you can um, run thoughts and ideas past. I also want to jump on the idea of something you said, and I really am a, um, a strong advocate of, is admitting when you don't know something and also admitting when something's out of your scope. In fact, mm-hmm. I now find it in the last, I know, maybe 10 years, I found it really liberating to say, I don't know. Or even, mm. because I feel like there's pressure as a newer teacher to want to prove yourself. And then when you can say like, I don't know, I still remember this one student and you might get a kick out of this. She's, she kept, she came into class. I never saw her again. She's like, my nipples are always cold. And I'm like, I've never heard that one. <laughs> I don't know, but there was something. And then it also shows your students that you're admitting when you don't know something. I think that can also build more trust. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, I think, you know, and then like you said, do your homework, ask a mentor. Um, you know, I, I felt fortunate to have a mentor myself and I'm glad I was able to serve you as a mentor because we only know what we know. And mm-hmm. I think it's important to 
keep educating ourselves and reach out when we need support. So is there anything that we didn't touch on that you think is important for a listener to understand whether they're a yoga teacher about trauma-informed yoga, if they're a practitioner, if they're a pregnant person, have I missed anything? Nothing's coming to mind. I think just, you know, driving home that the reason why yoga is so useful is because it offers opportunity to cultivate relationship with the body and the world that we're living in. Um, And it provides us with a lot of opportunities to access self-regulation tools, Mm -hmm. keeping us in the present moment. I love it. Where can people find you and the work that you do? Um, my website is just my full name, taratanini.com. Um, I also um, serve as curriculum um, director for a nonprofit that provides trauma-informed yoga um, and teacher training. So that's called Exhale to Inhale, and that's at exhaletoinhale.org. Um, and yeah, I've got a lot of trainings coming up and, um, everything ranging from trauma informed yoga to Reiki. Um, so all that can be found on my website. Yeah. It looks like you are doing some great traveling with that too. (laughs) Something wonderful. Well, I wanted to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me and inform me and form our community about this very, very important topic, especially the more we're hearing about trauma. I think it's becoming more acceptable to discuss it. That's a whole nother topic about society and drama. Um, Mm -hmm. But I, I think it's just so important to open the conversation. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. All right. Take care. Bye. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.